Are we live? We're live. Are you live? We're live. I'm excited. We're talking about how high fructose corn syrup <laughs> in Europe is illegal. God. And talking about ketchup. Michael asked me, well, let me, let me just share my heart here for a second. Uh, people say all the time, why do you talk about food so much? Uh, I don't know. I love food. And so I asked you, we talked about vices. And you said you recently, this is pretty low, you went into a QT and tore up some apple fritters. Apple fritters. There's a QT by my house, and I don't know what it is, but they got a slamming bakery. And every time I go by it, they have these beautiful apple fritters. And so I've been doing really, really good. But the other day I did have a low moment, and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to get a bunch of apple fritters. And I got two boxes of them. And then you tell them they're for your kiddos. I tell myself they're for my kids, and um, I end up eating most of them. You're an apple fritter. I told you that like my vice is, and on Weight Watchers, I think it's about 50 points, but a large fry from Five Guys. Wow. But then we got talking about ketchup. And when I went to, uh, I've been to Europe a few times, and their ketchup over there, it tastes like, uh, it tastes bad. It tastes bad. Amber bought some ketchup one time. Like I said, it, I don't know if it was sugar-free or whatever, but it was like, it was just terrible. Yeah, because in real ketchup, ketchup that Americans love, it's mm. basically a snicker bar. In tomato paste. <laughs> it's, only in America can we invent something to where it's not just sugar. We got to put some high fructose corn syrup in it. But while we're talking about it, is there anything better than when you go to Five Guys and you, you, you know, I, your son's Jonah. How old is Jonah? Jonah's five. I have enough ketchup to bury Jonah in and I tear into those bags. The fries at Five Guys, it's like something broke on the potato maker. Gosh. I mean, they're full. I, I, they are good fries. And, and the ketchup thing, ketchup in our house is like currency. I mean, I, our, all, every one of sometimes you have kids, they don't like it. Some do. Every one of my kids, all five of them love it. Are you a sauce guy? I am a big Ranch. sauce guy. Ranch. Ranch. You, you dip mm. fries in mayonnaise. Well, it's a European thing. They, I mean, that's you can repulsive. get all sorts of different type. Garlic, mayonnaise. Okay, well, that's different. Oh, come on. That's different. I mix mayonnaise and ketchup. Yeah, I, you mix mayo. I have, yeah, done, yeah, that. Yeah, I have done that before. I'm gonna tell you what Chick Fil A is great at. Oh, the the Chick Fil A grilled chicken tastes a little rubbery to me, if I'm being honest. Okay, but the sauces. So, okay, are you a Chick Fil A or Polynesian? I hate Polynesian. You hate Polynesian? I like the buffalo. Oh my goodness! I put the buffalo in the Chick Fil A sauce. Wow. See, I could drink Polynesian out of a tap. Really? I, I wife, love it. My wife loves it. That's I, called diabetes. I love, I love sauces. Okay, but I had a conversation with Grayson Chapman, who is a manager at Chick-fil-A. He said there's actually more calories in the Chick-fil-A sauce than there is in Polynesian. I looked up today because I looked up some Weight Watchers points today. The Chick-fil-A sauce is six points. And my gosh, you can only get three fries in it. Six so, Sauce, if you're a sauce boss, you're probably going to be fat. Yeah. Uh, there's a company I found called uh, Walden Farms yeah. that has calorie-free ranch. Wow. And it tasted like a bowl of cat hair. <laughs> so anytime it's like, called Walden I can't even Farms. Do, I can't even do light ranch. Was it worse than like light ranch? Uh, it, it, it basically is like a bowl of water with some salt in it. Oof. I'm like, I got all excited. Walden Farms, they had a calorie-free. I mean, calorie-free. How are you going to invent... Of sauce with not one calorie, calorie in it. And <laughs> you know it's going to taste like crap. It's going to have all that xylitol and stuff like that in it. You're not a xylitol guy. We it talk- jacks my stomach up. I ate stevia. If I put too much stevia, uh, the other day I made some unsweet tea and I put two, a big thing up. I put two packs of stevia in it. And it, man, you want to talk about. Does it mess yours up? Ooh. Amber, Amber will bake with it and she does good with it. I guess she, she does it in balance. But me, you know, I'll do a little bit more. I'll eat more cookies than what I'm supposed to. And that xylitol or 
Do you puree remember, or do whatever you the she time Amber in? brought over about 20 cookies to my house and I didn't know it? Yes. I ate eight cookies with xylitol in it, convincing myself that I'd probably lose weight by doing that. I woke up at 3.30 a.m. <laughs> Speaking of dreams. Hold on, time out. Uh, I remember that. Xylitol. That sounds like a heart condition medication. It sounds like Geritol. What is xylitol? xylitol? It's basically one of those artificial sweeteners. So what we've done now is, you know, we've realized sugar's bad for us, so we come up with these sweeteners that taste horrific. And give you cancer. <laughs> Probably. You know, aspartame is, is terrible. Oh, yeah. All right. I hate aspartame. I don't All right, you ready for a great show? That's, that's the longest <laughs> intro on nothing. You know, you know what though? Why does everything always have to be so hyper spiritual, super spiritual? We make it that way. I mean, you came over the other day, watched a football game. We're not over there prophesying, loosening, and binding. Like sometimes, don't you just need to go to Zaxby's? Daggone I'm man. serious. I told, I said from stage Sunday. Some, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep. Take a nap. Hey, by the way, you want to know, I feel like he's showing me something right now. Mm. As I'm saying, don't be overly spiritual. He's showing me something. <laughs> you know, food, uh, feasting is the number one metaphor of the kingdom of God from Genesis to Revelation. It's not fasting, it's feasting. Feasting. There's something about food that God God values it. He loves He food. loves food. What is that? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I have an answer, but I just know he loves it. He values it because he does a lot of things around it. I think it's family. I think it's connection. I think mm-hmm. it's slow. Absolutely. Like the other day, just you, me, and my one of my sons hanging out. Imagine like watching a football game without food. It's oh. almost like something's wrong. That's that. It's hard. That's hard to do. But it's 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 a bonding thing. Hey, let me encourage you with this before we jump into some dream stuff. If we ever get there, what are some uh, habits in your life that help you bond with God that aren't overly uh, quote unquote spiritual? Mm. Can I ask you what some of yours are? Some of the habits that I have that are not overly spiritual that I, me I can God. tell you what I've seen in your life in the last year and a mm-hmm. half. When you go to the gym, it's not for physical fitness. You go to worship, I swear. That was the first thing I was going to say. Yeah, you, you bond with God. I love exercising, going to the gym. It's, it's a really good time. That for I'm mine, doing. I love taking a walk for 30 minutes and just starting the walk by just saying, Father, I just want to be with you. That's awesome. Walk. Uh, I love solitude. Yes. If you've never read Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, get your hands on it. It'll change your life. I think that boring habits bring our breakthrough more than big God encounters. They do. I had a, I had one yesterday. Um, even in, it was just a few minutes, but um, so I have four daughters. So uh, we got the football out, but they love playing football a little bit. So I had them. I had Jonah hiking me the ball. I had the girls running post routes and fly routes, and we were throwing it. And it was really it was really fun. I just enjoyed it so. There's much. something about being outside too. By the way, mm-hmm. I taught an ascent class this morning on some boring spiritual habits. There's a Greek word ethos that shows up in the life of the Lord, as was his custom. As was his that custom. word translated is really a rigorous spiritual habit or discipline. Mm. The Lord's breakthrough came along the way. Um, his breakthrough into just higher levels in the Father's heart. Luke two fifty two. He grew in wisdom and stature. Um, rabbis were very methodical. Yes. If you're not careful, you'll think that big moments will change your life. They normally don't. A matter of fact, if you read the book God's Generals, a lot of people that had tons of God encounters didn't finish well. We need to have repeatable patterns in our lives mm. of things that really give us life mm. along the way to help us connect with God. Absolutely. I really believe, Michael, that's why Jesus told the disciples to prepare a boat for him. Yeah. It was to get away from people. You, you need some solitude. You need some time where it's just you. Friendship with God has to look like something. And I love community, and I love communal following God, but there, there are certain places in God you got to go by yourself. Yes, I'm Absolutely. Sure. All right, I'm getting off track, but that's good stuff. Okay, yesterday I, f- I felt like we got a, a, off to a really good start with dreams. 
I feel like we started the conversation off really, really well. Uh, I just told Jessica Longshore and Micah Ushry a minute ago uh, something about Ascent. You and I are Mm -hmm. co-leading a class right now at Ascent on Dreams. But I told Jessica, I said, one of the things that I've noticed about Michael is there is, there's more of a grace on him for dreams in this season than there is for me. And that's not saying that uh, I can't interpret dreams because I'm a lot like Joseph. I think the reason I can interpret dreams is because I really don't think I can without God. Right. What's the passage where he says, well, dream interpretation belongs to God? Yeah, is that what he it's says? in the book of Daniel. Yep. All dream interpretation belongs to God. So that's a step right there of, of interpreting dreams is just admit you can't. Just admit you can't do it. That's uh, so good. Paul um, celebrated in his weaknesses, right? He boasted in them, for heaven's sake. He boasted in them. But I told Jessica, I said, uh, I, there's a higher grace right now uh, for Michael to lead this dream class and for me to be in the background of it because there's a fresh grace on you for dreams and dreams interpretation. I want to jump into something. one of the things you said in class two weeks ago, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about it. And here's a big question that a lot of people ask. It's probably already been sent in. How do you know if a dream is from God or the devil? And so let's just set the stage here. Uh, dreams can be a little awkward. It can. I had one two nights ago I haven't recorded yet mm. that I need to let you read. it. If that dream is from God, then I just don't know how it could be. Wow. It was, it was, it was a demonic dream. And, and about a year ago, and I think I've even said it on Coach and Joe, I was at a place where I believed all dreams came from God, and I knew even when I said it, I'm like, that isn't right. And I love one of my seminary professors. He said, your theology will always be in motion. Don't be surprised if God uh, stretches you over the years. I don't think all dreams come from God. I want you to talk about that, and then let's move into the practical. But let's you start here. Yes. Are all dreams from God? No. Uh, let's start with the Scripture. So Jeremiah 29.8. Jeremiah 29.8 says um, very clearly that um, there will be prophets and diviners who will have false dreams and dreams that are not from God. And he gives clear indication to the people in Jeremiah's day to be careful of that and don't pay attention to their dreams because I did not send them, declares the Lord. That's what that passage says. So that's a really good uh, biblical example of how God does not send dreams. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners, how do you say that? Diviners? Diviners. Diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Okay, yeah. so, uh, and there's also there's probably some other things. If we had time, we could really dig into just mm-hmm. besides this this passage. That not not all dreams come from God. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple more passages. Um, there's one in Ecclesiastes. There's another one in Jeremiah chapter twenty three. But they're all basically saying the same thing that there is there are dreams that also come from the enemy. That we have to have maturity and understanding how to sort through what dreams are from God. What dreams are from the enemy? Okay, this is just loaded, Michael. Okay. This is loaded because you start getting into, well, how in the world does the enemy give us dreams? If, you know, Tozer says, whatever you think about God, when you think about him, is the most important thing about your life. Mm. Here, here is where I am and I have been for 22 years. C.S. Lewis changed my life. Any, any opposition to free will in the kingdom, you're going to get stumped yeah. in a lot of places, uh, specifically when God test Abram. Abraham in Genesis 22, he says, now I can trust you. What in the world? What? <laughs> so you got a couple of camps out there. You have the highly reformed camp, and then you have the Greg Boyd camp. Is it um, open theism? Is it, it God doesn't really know the future, and he just helps the future go along? Or mm-hmm. God 
does know the future. I, where I lean is the Father absolutely knows my future. Um, the Father absolutely uh, trumps the enemy in every way. But yet, C.S. Lewis says, truth is found in the extremes. Yep. There is some truth in, in the other camp of, man, there seem to be some scriptures that there can actually be things that happen in my life that don't come from the hand of the Father. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I'm just curious. Why do you think the Father allows the enemy to give us dreams? How does that work? Well, again, I would say like the same concept of Jesus in the desert, right? We say the Spirit led Jesus into the desert, and He's tempted by Satan. Like Satan himself literally is speaking thoughts, speaking images, showing him images, showing him words through that, through that process. And we know that we battle against not flesh and blood, but, but an invisible enemy. So if we're battling him through our mind throughout the day, what's to say we're not going to battle him through our, our, our thoughts in our, in our nightlife when we're sleeping? Boy, that is a great thought because Paul says take every thought captive. Captive. Absolutely. I, I believe that God gave Adam and Eve incredible jurisdiction in the garden, gave them dominion to subdue the garden. I believe we, we are at war with our own flesh. We, are, we, we have to stand firm in our faith. We have to fight the good fight. It is a fight when we're awake, when we are asleep. So let me ask the, the $100 practical question. How do you know if the dream is coming from the Father or from the enemy? So really good indicators, a really clear one would be the emotional state that you feel in the dream. So what emotions are you feeling in the dream as it's unfolding? And what emotion do you feel immediately when you wake up? A lot of those, those, those times they could be indicators of, is this a dream from the enemy? Is this a dream from God? So for instance, um, if it, nightmares or night terrors, maybe some of you have had those through childhood, throughout your years, what you're going to feel is you're going to feel a lot of fear, a lot of panic, a lot of dread. There's going to be a hopelessness. There's a hopelessness to it. Um, a lot of times those are dreams that are coming from the enemy or from that type of realm. And, and, and it wakes up, you wake up and you just feel hopeless or you feel attacked. Some of you maybe have had dreams where people are like grabbing your throat or holding your chest down. A lot of those dreams are from the enemy. They're attacked. On the other side is God will give us what we call warning dreams. And sometimes you got to be able to separate, well, is this a warning dream from God or is this an actual dream from the enemy? And one of the biggest indicators will be is that in a warning dream from God, the whole goal of it is to restore us back to the Father, is to restore us, to draw us closer to God, to restore intimacy and connection. And so what happens in a warning dream a lot of times is we have things that God wants to heal in us already, so he surfaced this up. That's why a warning dream can be a little unsettling at first, but what he's doing is he's surfacing things up. Jesus said it's not what goes in a man that makes him unclean, but what comes out. So he's servicing out something through a warning dream, and then it flushes out, and then you're drawing closer to God. There's uh, just conviction, love. You're going back to Him. With an enemy dream, there's not a, a that's not surfacing. It's being imparted. So that's the big indicator where God in a warning dream will surface fear to flesh them out, but a dream from the enemy will impart fear into you. Can I tell you what I've learned through experience? Mm. I'm curious to see if you agree with this. I see people make the mistake. It's not 50-50. It's way more on this side of things. Yes. They believe that the dream is coming from the enemy, and I've had to coach people, whoa, 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 uh-uh. That is a warning dream from warning. the Father. So I'm going to read a verse. Come on. Uh, Romans eleven twenty two, And if we're not careful, we will not have a grid 
for any severity side of God. And some of the dreams that that I've had and a lot of people have had in the last five years around here as I've been leading, they don't realize that, yes, God is kind, and he's also severe. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. How about that word, sternness? Sternness. Some of, some of these dreams can even feel stern. Matter of fact, I can mm. even put a metric on my warning dreams from the Father. Some of them are gentle warnings, and some of them are not gentle warnings. I'll never forget about seven years ago, I had a dream when I was at my in-law's house, mm. and a cop walked up to me, and the cop was yelling at me. And the Father was trying to wake me up about a certain situation that I was going through. Mm. I, if we're not careful, we will lose right off the bat, just assuming that a dream that doesn't feel fuzzy, warm, and gentle... Yeah is is uh, not coming from the Father. What do you hear me saying? How have you seen that play out? Absolutely, a thousand percent. That's what I was saying, that a warning dream from God, there'll be an unsettling. You'll be unsettled a little bit. But if you really if you really dialogue with God about that dream and learn to see what He's saying through it, it'll lead you to wholeness or confession or repentance or, um, or even protection. You know, again, a lot of the warning dreams that I know that I've gotten over the years, the majority is it's about protecting. Uh, give you an example in the Bible. You remember there's the three wise men? They're going to go see baby Jesus. Uh, Herod has an ultimate plan. He wants to trick them and kill. He wants to kill them. Kill them. So the angel gives the three wise men a dream. Hey, don't go back to Herod. Go another way. They weren't in sin. They weren't doing anything wrong. But there was a protective element at play. And so that was a warning I, dream. I, I love that because the father, Michael, he disciplines those he loves. Yes. He warns oh. his kids. But what, I guess what I'm saying is, in our hermeneutic of dreams here, mm. you you better be open to some dreams coming from the Father that don't seem warm and fuzzy. Absolutely. Right? Oh, yeah. What What is a practical way? Do, are there any tools? Like, let's say mm-hmm. we I laid out a dream right here. I remember on the whiteboard, you wrote down basically three or four categories. Yeah. How How do you help me... Let's help people on how to practically know who the dream is coming from. Mm-hmm. Are there any signposts? So to help, help you, this is what helped me. If you look at dreams as terms where they come from, I really do believe they come from three realms or three arenas, we could say. So we've already established they come from God. They can also come from the enemy. And then they could just be, I call them the natural realm or the natural dreams. Those are what people call pizza dreams or a dream that's really short, and there's just no narrative, there's no thought, there's no theme, there's nothing to it. It's really connected with what you did yesterday. Like I've, I've had several of those. Mm-hmm. I could watch something and it just, I have a scene and oh, that's all it is. But understanding those three categories then helps me funnel out what dreams do I need to pay attention to and, and spend my time in and then what dreams I just need to, sh- to, to keep moving. Because if not, a lot of times people can write every single dream down and they could have dreams, let's say, coming from the natural realm or, or just some other part like that, and they get sidetracked. I mean, it'll tie you up your time and your energy and even shift your focus from what God's really wanting to give to you in a dream. This could be offensive to some people, but he has me say it a lot. Mm. If you're not careful, you can become more spiritual than God is. Oh, man. You know that seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit? Mm. So to have any type of hermeneutic on your dreams that, well, there's no such thing as a pizza dream. Yes, there is. There is. And not every dream comes from the Father. And by the way, if a dream, if a dream, if interpreting dreams is becoming torment to me and is, is causing me chaos in my mind, take a deep breath. Yes. Brian, do we have any questions that have been sent in from yesterday, today, 
Instagram this morning? We do, we do. We've been having some fun conversations about about food. You guys really started us All right. started <laughs> us up there. People are talking about how they like mayo chup. Brad likes mayo chup from Quick Trip, which is a thing. Apparently, okay. a really good sauce. Chick-fil-A milkshakes made it on there. Um, but the question <laughs> about make, dreams make you fat. is Charlotte, our beloved Islander that watches almost every episode, she says, is the only difference between dreams and visions... Uh, is the only difference between dreams and visions that you're awake during visions? Michael? So there's a distinction between visions and dreams. Um, most of the visions that I've ever had have been like when I'm awake and not sleeping. It, it is possible. They call them night visions. But I, I tend to believe that even night visions are more in the dream category. But what helps me separate it, Charlotte, is this. Visions usually have a distinct purpose, and, and that is to reveal aspects of God himself. And you can see that through Scripture, um, through Acts and other places where, where they'll have open visions. And it's, it's, the purpose of it is God is revealing aspects of His nature to that individual who's having a vision. Whereas dreams, on the other hand, they reveal aspects, yes, of God's nature, but it's more tailored to what you're called to do. So that's why I always say that, that God will take the fabric of your dreams and weave them into what you're called to do. So a dream in the night, a lot of times, is going to have an attachment or a connection to what you're called to do, even if it's revealing His nature. I hope that answered it. You know what I think will help too, Charlotte, is um, be like a Berean and search it out yourself. Yeah. Now with Internet, specifically Google, Google uh, every vision ever in the Bible. Mm. List out all those passages. Uh, for me, when I started uh, praying for people and God would heal them, you want to know how I got to a place where, where I had faith for that? Mm. Um, I went through every passage of Jesus Christ healing people, all of them, myself. Uh, I had, I, I think I had, I lost count how many note cards I had, and I'd write them all out because what happens is faith explodes. Faith really is an operation off my knowledge. Yes. Really. Absolutely. Uh, on a heart level and a mind level. And so I noticed in the early days, uh, 18 times the Lord said, let it be done as you have believed. 18? 18 times. And so I would notice that a third a third of his healings were deliverances. You say, what's the point? I'm saying get that word down into you, Mark mm. 4. And just Google it yourself and say, so how many pass what is an open vision? Go through Acts. I love reading Acts. I read it over and over and over because it's so supernatural. Yes. If my life's not supernatural to some degree, it's superficial. And I'm saying the best place to to get a grid for dreams and visions. Go to the Word itself. Absolutely. Matter of fact, when we started this class, a little bit before then, I'm like, holy smokes, I had no idea that Genesis had the most dreams of any book in the Bible. Most dreams. And then you start, you start dissecting Joseph's dreams. Hmm. For example, I, I tell you this, Charlotte, I know it doesn't answer your question, but the principle still applies. The key to dream interpretation, I think, is humility. And you know where I got that from? Joseph, when they said, can you interpret this... He said, all dream interpretation belongs to God. Give it to me. Yes. In other words, I can't, but he can. That's so good. Randy Clark wrote a book, God Can Use Little Old Me. Mm. Well, I am little old me, but I know a big old him. Bad English, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. All that comes from the word itself. Anything else? Anything else, Fanny? I mean, my wife just sent me a picture of the latest sandwich they released from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> really? Let's, let's close here. Well, seriously, what is it? The honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich. Wow. The Chick-fil-A? My gosh. Chick-fil-A. Honey, honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich. I'm in. I want that now. Say that four times. By the way, you know I Sounds worked there dreamy. for five years? Did it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, knew I didn't that. know that. 
It's a boneless yeah. breast of chicken on a toasted butter bun with pickles. It's really good. No, I'm talking about the original Chick-fil-A. Yeah. When I worked at Chick-fil-A, little old ladies would come up. No one knew what it was, and they would always ask, do you have hot dogs here? I'm like, no, it's Chick-fil-A. <laughs> You're dating yourself. Was it your pleasure? That, was, that would have been 1985, <laughs> 6, 7, 8, 9. Was it your pleasure to work at Chick-fil-A? Uh, no, we didn't do that back then. Praise God. <laughs> I, went, I, went to Star- I kind of feel sorry when they say that all the time. It, it's a little overkill. I went to Starbucks this morning <laughs> and to get me that low-fat turkey bacon cheddar sandwich they have. And it was so nice to not be told my pleasure 14 times. <laughs> it's my pleasure. By the way, it's been my pleasure to be a part of Coaching Joe today. I bless you in the name of Jesus that you be a Berean. Search the scriptures out. Mm. Dig in there for yourself. Feast not only on Chick-fil-A food, but feast on the word. And mm. uh, you might be surprised. You go down to Alice in Wonder's, Wonderland's rabbit hole and you may find some revelation that could even make you a great dream interpreter. And perhaps God will reward your faith. He rewards those who diligently seek him. Not just for you, Charlotte, but for anyone else. Get in that word. Google. Dig around. God bless. See you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on Coach and Joe, a YouTube talk show and podcast that helps you walk in genuine friendship with God. Check out CoachandJoe.com for epic merch, weekly blogs, and ways to help keep us up and running. We'll see you next time on Coach and Joe.